The following podcast is a Dear Media production. No, no, no. We're back. We're back. In Come LA. on. But this episode was recorded in New York. It was. This it, is That's So Retrograde. I'm Elizabeth Cott. Hello. I'm Stephanie Sambari. And we're so excited to be back. We had such a trip. Never have I been more busy ever and loved every second of it. We had, holy moly, guys, We do we have some fucking popping interviews headed your way after New York City? It was a real... Uh, Legends only moment, if I may say so myself. I don't want to spoil anything, but you may have seen on Instagram the incredible women that we were able to interview. And this episode is no exception. So we will get there in a moment. We will. Today we have Liz Winstead on the show, and she is going to drop some insane knowledge on us. The work she is doing is so important and so epic, and she's going to get into it. You guys probably know her from the work she's done in creating The Daily Show. Ooh. And being the co-head writer over there. Just there's just that. Yeah. But before we get there, I wanted to also thank my cousin Brady for giving us a home. We are Brooklynites, dude. So true. We live in Brooklyn when we're in New York, and it's just so nice to have a place to go that isn't a hotel that you can do your laundry at and cook at and just, like, feel like home. Also, there's a huge fucking TV there with the DVR <laughs> and all the shows. And I wanted to talk about the fact that this last episode of Kardashians, by the way, I'm hearing myself talk and I'm like, cut back to three years ago I'm when all Elizabeth back. wanted to talk about was Kardashians. And now I want to talk about this. And she's like, I don't think we well, should. They're the mighty wellness explorers, you know? <laughs> they, we were we smoked a little weed in the morning and then I looked at you and I was like, um, Kardashians are like really bringing wellness to the forefront in like a way that I would have never expected. This episode started at a spa. Yeah, which is I, Kamora Lee Simmons uh, Spa Pelicure in Beverly Hills. It's mm. a, like an elevated Korean spa. It's really expensive, though, so I don't know if I'm When are we going? going? There. I Do you, don't know. Does anyone listening know anyone that works there and want to sponsor Their us? Their foot reflexology is only $25, though. So Which, by the way, I love that. Elizabeth and I were so fucking tired in New York. We walked around nonstop. We tracked our steps, and we walked... I walked 15 times more in New York than I walked 15,000 steps a day in New York, and I walk 1,000 steps a day in LA. So we were so tired. Yeah. So we got two massages in one day. We got a back massage in Chinatown, which was incredible. Incredible. Life changing. And then at like 10 p.m., we went to this like spooky basement and um, got our feet and rubbed. No, no, no. no. Let me, can I just tell the actual story? Yeah. Because this is one of the reasons why I love you dearly, is because as you may have realized while listening to show Steph kind of like says whatever is in her brain without <laughs> processing so we like made a point we looked on Yelp we found a place adjacent to where we were that did foot massages we get there it was like a little shady but I didn't feel like Elizabeth it was not a little shady it was downstairs there was no one there it was literally looked like there was cum everywhere <laughs> Steph looks at the guy who I assume is the owner goes goes I feel weird <laughs> and then I go did people get jerked off down here and then he goes, excuse me? And I was like, uh. I'm going to go. And then he goes, I, I didn't hear you. And I was like, oh, that was probably for the best. And then he's like, all right, just sit right here. I'm going to go call some people. And I'm like, call people? It was, it was 
we left, needless to say. And then we found a great little spot and our lives were changed. But it was so funny because I just love your ability to just like not engage in pleasantries. I'm just like, oh, actually, like for if it were me, well, it was me, but like if it were me talking, I would be like, actually, you know what? I'm going to go. Yeah. And just leave it that. You're like, it's weird down here. <laughs> Elizabeth is just like, she's sensitive. Yeah, she's just sensitive. We're going to go. I'm like, I'm so fucking uncomfortable. But I liked that you followed your intuition. Thank you, because we did find people that were amazing. The guy that did yeah. my foot rub and I were on some sort of like spiritual plane together. Yeah, you were having a moment. Every time he touched a toe and I had like a feeling, he was like, oh, like he knew. He was inside of me. Yeah. I wish he was inside Healers. of me. Healers. Well, it's a different service you have to ask for for that. <laughs> Maybe we should have stayed at the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a real, like we said, legends only experience <laughs> in New York. Let's see, just to, and I will roses and thorns this at the end, but. We got to go on Sandra Bernhardt's show. Ugh. That was that was really cool. Amazing. She is so that's so retrograde. It's not even funny. We're manifesting she that guest today. She literally, we start the interview and she's like, "I'm a Gemini with my Moon in Sagittarius and a rising Leo." And I was like, "Cool." <laughs> I was like, "Amazing." That's all Stephanie needs to do. If someone knows their rising sign, you're. I'm just like locked in. Yeah. Tell me everything about yourself. I was like, I need your chart. And you're like, what do you want? And get inside my head. And I was like, yes, that's all I need. Everyone should have all of their best friends and family members charts so that we can all get along better together yeah, in this world. I think that's great. You know who gets that? Sandra Bernhardt she gets sure that. She sure does. You know who doesn't get that? Elizabeth Cotton. Well, that's the only difference between me and Sandy. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I think that we should just get to our interview with Liz because she is so incredible, so inspiring. And honestly, just like sitting with her, I felt like I was looking at a real expander. And it was just so cool. And I think you guys are really going to be moved by the conversation and hopefully moved to get involved with Abortion AF. We're really ecstatic about this conversation today. We have Liz Winstead joining us, who we originally were connected with in 2016. Mm -hmm. And as we pinpointed, it was a coastal issue mm -hmm. trying to make it happen. And as you guys know, we're here in New York doing a lot of fun interviews. And Liz has been on the agenda since we knew we were coming because- Manifest we're destiny. Fully. That's right. Welcome. I'm on the agenda of Manicide. <laughs> I've made it. I've made the list. I'm very excited. Yay. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So you were just in LA. Sarah Silverman, a fairy godmother of That's a Retrograde, hosted an event for your organization yeah. that I was not able to attend, but Elizabeth was there. And why— perspective was so shifted by that conversation that you brought to us and I was my mind was opened to the issues of reproductive justice mm -hmm. as opposed to reproductive rights and we just were so excited to have you on this show to talk about that and all the work you're doing with Abortion Access Front aka Abortion AF which is so funny and I just want to read the mission statement of the organization, because you say, we are a coven of hilarious, badass feminists who use humor and pop culture to expose the haters fighting against reproductive rights. Yeah, that I'm pretty much so sums it sold. Up. Yes. <laughs> so, talk to us a little bit about Abortion AF and where it's at. Sure. So, um, about 11 years ago, the touchstone for most folks is when Wendy Davis was in Texas fighting against all those horrible Texas laws. And we'll remember she stood for 13 hours filibustering all of this horrible stuff that was happening right. in Texas. What a lot of folks didn't realize is that 
27 states had that exact piece of legislation dropped in their state houses, a model legislation written by a very well-funded anti-abortion extremist who found state legislators and state senators and governors who were amenable to doing this, and they just dropped it. And clinics closed really fast. It passed in many of those states. These just blanket things that you've heard about, whether it's forcing clinics to have hospital admitting privileges or putting 24-hour, 48-hour, 72-hour waiting bans on abortion, reading scripts that the government has forced doctors to say that are lies about abortion, like it gives you breast cancer or it causes mental illness or infertility, all of which are not true. It was just a whole litany of laws. And so I'm from Minnesota originally, and I was finishing my book. And so I left Brooklyn in a van with my two dogs to go finish my book. And when I finished, all of these laws were happening, and I felt super panicked. And I also felt profoundly guilty about the fact that I'm an activist. I'm somebody who knows a lot about politics. I'm someone who's had more than one abortion. And I've always been pro-choice and done benefits, but I really wasn't paying attention to structurally how all of this shit was happening. And so I was like, what am I going to do after I finish my book? And I was like, if I'm this naive and out of it, maybe I'm going to take my comedy and try to do something that elevates the issues of reproductive care because it just doesn't seem to be out there in the world. And Mm. I feel like this is a good time to shed light on your career, that of comedy and politics and merging that. You co-created The Daily Show. You're the head writer of The Daily Show. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So you're you're such a pioneer in bringing levity to these important topics. Yeah, that, you know, and I also launched Air America Radio and I had a radio show with Rachel Maddow and Chuck D for a couple of years. And, you know, and that's how you know how to work the buttons. And I had some. How are you? You know, so like we had Mark Maron on in the morning and Jean Garofalo and Sam Cedar at night. And so it's kind of been my jam to talk about issues. And also in the scope of like even doing that, whether it was The Daily Show or Air America, in for-profit places or comedy-specific places, you know, you're working for somebody who's setting the rules for you. And even right. though those rules can be pushed really far, it was you can talk about issues, you have to make them funny, and you're not an activist. And so it's very satisfying to bring a bunch of information to people. But I was also like, if I can't say, and here's what you can do about it, mm-hmm. I kind of just felt like an anger fluffer. I just felt like I was just getting people mad and being like, I don't know what to do. I'm like a comedian. <laughs> and that felt really hollow. Yeah. So I decided when I finished my book, I called Planned Parenthood and I called some independent clinics and I said, I have to get back to... Brooklyn. I got two dogs in a van and I'm going to drive across country. And they were like, we're going to call the authorities. Because <laughs> you sound like a crazy They're person. like, what does that have to do with yeah, us? <laughs> um, maybe you should work on your shit and not come to our clinic. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, I, oh, you seem fine. Um, so I would do fundraisers, but I really made it a point to go visit the clinics. And I found out that no one visits clinics. And I went to 130 clinics, y'all. And every at every clinic, it might have been the doctor, it might have been the person working front of front of the house as the receptionist, said, you know, thank you for coming here. No one comes. What do you mean by no one? Like no one who is, act, is like activating? Yes. Like okay. nobody, it's like people would go and, and have their services and then they would leave and, and go about their lives. No and one's like Instagramming like, hey y'all, just at Planned Parenthood. Or like, yeah, look at all these protesters outside. Yeah. Or, right. or and, and it was me, it was more about knowing these laws were so harmful and watching that it was the providers that were providing the care, 
fighting the legislation and then also correcting the record on all the medically inaccurate information yeah. that I was like, I can take some of that off their plate. And there's amazing activist groups out there who are who are fighting laws, who are escorting patients, who are running abortion funds. But I saw this hole where who's checking in on the providers, who's making sure they're okay, who's bringing the community with them together so that mm. all of that bullshit that keeps getting out there goes away and they can meet these wonderful people. I was like, I can do that. So I got back to New York and I got together like comics and writers and artists and and I formed kind of a production war room. And I said, we have to raise awareness about what's happening because otherwise we're not going to have any access. And a lot of us get to do these jobs because we had access to birth control and we had access to abortion. So true. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we make videos that expose these laws on a local level and a national level. And then mostly we are on the road four months a year traveling to really hard hit places like Jackson, Mississippi and Little Rock and Wichita. And we were just in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and Houston and doing comedy and music shows. And then afterwards having a conversation with the local activists and the local providers in those communities so that our fans can hear about the landscape in their state. And then also they're told right there by their fellow people in their community, how they can help. And they sign up right there. And then we're growing the activist bases in these spots. And so it's pretty, pretty fun. And then the third thing we do is, because if you're a provider in a hostile place, like sometimes you can't get somebody to mow your lawn or repaint your exam rooms or fix your plumbing. So we go in and redo people's gardens. We paint their clinics. We clean their gutters. We do whatever they need. And then we bring that information to our audience. And I'll never forget this dude who's in the audience as I was explaining what happens. And he raises his hand and he's like, are you telling me that activism means I own a landscape company. I get a new client that pays me to mow their grass once a week. And that's activism. And I'm like, yeah, you, you parking your van outside of a clinic to say, I support this clinic. I'm, I'm happy to have them as a client is a gigantic form of activism because all of us putting our faces aligning with people who provide abortion care, like that's huge because then politicians see that it's not just a one-sided thing. If it's just slews of horrible people outside of a clinic saying we hate abortion and doing all of that, how do they know there's a counter narrative? We, right. we always have to say that is not what the majority of people believe. And statistics say now more than ever that um, 70% of Americans believe that abortion should be a constitutional right and that Roe v. Wade shouldn't be overturned. So where is that voice? When you look at 2019 alone, over 400 pieces of legislation has been proposed or passed versus the amount of media that covers it. Media Matters, in fact, just this week did a huge study that said, this won't be shocking. Uh, the people who talk about abortion the most is Fox News. They get it wrong 70% of the time. And the Shut neutral, right? No. And the neutral or maybe left leaning media outs, they studied evening cable news. So they studied MSNBC, CNN, and Fox, and that they barely talked about it at all. And when they did, talk about it, it's like even they got it wrong 50% of the time. So no one knows what the fuck is going on. So no one knows what the fuck is going on. And so our Twitter feed is super vibrant. Every day at noon, we do this janky, it looks like TMZ kind of like (laughs) conversation about like the biggest stories of the week. And just to give you a gauge, there's about 140 stories that come out every week on some kind of creepy legislation, some kind of creepy city council doing something, some regulation coming out of the Department of Health and Human Services. And we try to cover two to three stories a day, just like rapid fire saying this, here's some actions you can take. But 
it's just not covered. Yeah, why? This is what's so crazy is, like, why is the voice of the opposition, so to speak? Like, they're so loud. Yeah. And that's all you hear about. And it's, like, with people like you and things that you're doing to really be, like, this is what's factual. This is what's really going on. This is what we can actually do to combat that. It's, like, on that side of things, it's kind of the way I see, like, that's why Democrats just keep getting their asses kicked because we're just, like, too nice or something. Or well, don't, we marginalize Like, what is it? it? I mean, I feel like— I have heard so many times, like, abortion's a wedge issue, and here's you talking about abortion when, like, all this other stuff is happening. And and if you're going to hold that as a litmus test, I'm like, the bodies of people with uteruses, women and people with uteruses, and however you identify if you have a uterus, are on the chopping block. Yeah. That's more than 50% of humanity. Yeah. And literally saying, me fighting to make sure the government does not entitle itself to ownership of— those bodies is a wedge issue to you, right? Then we have a real problem. Like, like we have a real problem. Like, why are you not fighting with me? You claim to be a human rights person. If you care about the environment, if you care about immigration, if you care about anything, all of these things tie in together because it's about bodily autonomy. And so I hear it a lot from dudes being like, well, women sure have to be fighting this over and over again. What a shame. I'm like, why aren't you fighting right, with us? Right. Like, I don't understand. Where are you? This isn't our fight. This is humanity's fight. Abortion just really needs a rebrand. <laughs> it needs a rebrand. And, <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, I love that you say that because— you know, we recently changed our name for a couple of reasons. We didn't want to be exclusive. So it was in, Lady Parts Justice. It was Lady Parts Justice, and we changed it to Abortion Access Front, hashtag Abortion AF. And, and we did it so that people who, of all genders, who want to fight for reproductive equality can see a home. You know, there are trans men who have uteruses that don't identify their vaginas and stuff as lady parts. And so we want to just be like, that's fine, we can change that. But also, part of the reason I think we lose a lot is that People don't say the word abortion. That's um, what I mean. It's like a curse word or something. It's like a curse word, and it's been defined as negative by the anti-abortion movement, and we just ceded the morality of abortion to the— I do this work because it's a moral choice for me, not in spite of my morality, right? Right. Not in spite mm -hmm. of my conscience. I do it because I know that being able to decide when and if— you want to start a family and how you start that family is the first step to any kind of economic emancipation. And if you don't mm -hmm. fundamentally understand that no one should be able to make that decision for someone at all, especially based on lies and based on literally anything that has to do with patriarchy and controlling people, that's terrible. And if we don't say abortion, if we can't name it, we can't defend it. And so we can't defend it properly unless we give it a name and give it its proper moral spot in our conversations about medical care. Let's take a time out from this heated conversation, one that's making me sweat. Well, have I got something for you, Stephanie Simbari? Tell me. In the form of aluminum, paraben, and talc-free deodorant. Wow. To tickle your fancy native deodorant, my personal fave. Nothing relaxes a heavy conversation <laughs> like a dry armpit. That's so true. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken, my friend. And the thing about native, we brought it with us on our trip to New York. We did. My favorite is the lavender rose scent. I'm a cocoa vanilla a cocoa type vanilla of gal. gal. And I do like that one as well. And they have cucumber mint, eucalyptus and mint, 
And they're always releasing new yummy scents for men and women throughout the year. Native deodorant is filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, which is antimicrobial, shea butter, which is a moisturizer and emollient, and tapioca starch, which absorbs wetness. And of course, there's no animal testing. And very important to my life is that I don't get those red bumps on my underarms, which I find is very common with deodorant. And I'm just so grateful because I feel like it's very unsexy to have a red bumpy armpit. Yeah, that made me nervous. That happened to me with a few other brands, not to be named, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that experience with Native, so Big you. win. Huge win. Big win. Mage win. So if you head over to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code TSR during checkout, you're going to get 20% off your first purchase. Oh my God. Might I suggest they have a little sampler pack mm. that you can try all the scents and mm. they're travel friendly. I like to keep one of the tiny ones in my car. You just like tiny stuff. I do. So again, that is nativedeodorant.com, promo code TSR, 20% off. Do it. Send us a photo. Send us a picture of your armpits. I mean, I'm into it. That's for stuff, not for me. Let's get kinky, guys. NativeDeodorant.com, promo code DSR. Now, back to the episode. I remember I would used to do a joke about abortion when I was doing stand-up, and I could, I, as soon as I would say the word, I would feel the crowd yeah. get tense. Yeah. And then I'd have to double back, like, we can talk about this, like, it's not, you know, and then but it shouldn't be our job to make people feel comfortable with a word. Well, and that's the whole thing, and I feel like, since there's been such a disservice around it for so long, I'm I'm sort of willing to make it my job because, mm. you know, when you see a shirt that says abortion AF, I'm not saying everybody should wear that shirt because why people have abortions, there's a wide pendulum. You know, there's people who are like, I'm pregnant, I'm having an abortion, done, I'm fine. There's people who are like, I'm pregnant, the circumstances are, aren't great for me, I'm going to have an abortion and I have some feelings about it. And then there's people who are like, this is a wanted pregnancy and, and it's developed all kinds of problems and I need to have an abortion and I'm emotionally distraught. Yes. yes. Right? How someone defines their pregnancy is up to them. Mm-hmm. Right? But medical science will never call a pregnancy a baby. They call it a pregnancy and they and they define it by embryos and fetuses and all that kind of stuff. And so, but if you're pregnant and you have bonded with your pregnancy and you want to refer to it as a baby, I'm not going to tell you not to, but also you can't do that for somebody else, right? Society yes. can't yes. do that, that for I somebody think else. That is the, yeah. the crux of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just really important for me when I wear that shirt, I know it's going to cause discomfort and I want people to talk to me about it and say, your shirt makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, why are you so forward mm. when talking about abortion? And I can say, you know, what I say, which is, much of what I just right. said. Yeah. <laughs> a, a yeah there's voc- a podcast for that. Yeah, there's a, a podcast. A new vocabulary <laughs> term, as I mentioned, when, when you hosted that beautiful talk and event where you brought women that work in and around uh, abortion clinics in the South, you brought them to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So some of them were lobbyists. Other helped with get, getting funding for women who were seeking abortions. Other worked, others worked in the clinic. So mm-hmm. it was really like a, a beautiful scope of that could really explain to us the situation at hand, especially this was in Atlanta when there was a lot of conversation around people pulling their projects from uh, because of the legislation that was being passed. So it was a very weighty conversation. And, yeah. and we talked about the difference between reproductive justice and re- reproductive rights. Yeah. And I wanted you to please explain that to us. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't. And so the women that you're talking about that we brought forth were people based in Atlanta, who are doing various things, as you said, all black women. The reproductive justice movement is led by women of color. And so a reproductive justice organization in its in its sort of framework has to be led by women of color. 
And reproductive justice is basically a tenet that that says anybody who wants to should be able to choose the families they want, should be able to raise those families with dignity, and should be able to have families that are free from harm, right? And so reproductive justice organizations focus on Basically, the large scope of a reproductive lifetime, whether that is maternal mortality to how people are, you know, if if someone is is pregnant and in prison, are they put in shackles? You know, can you have a child that can live safely in the world and not be threatened by police brutality? Can we raise black uh, men and boys to be able to walk the earth and not be looked upon as perpetrators. You know, can our women of color and, and trans women of color treated with dignity and respect and, and agency, right? And so covering the full landscape and centering those who are most affected by any kind of legislation and any kind of societal bias and racism that have to do with who they are and the color of their skin, like, let's center those people, the poorest people, people of color, trans women and men are really the people who suffer the most when it comes to reproductive coercion. And so within that framework, right, I am a white woman. I run a reproductive rights organization, but we we use the lens of reproductive justice. So when we are advocating and what we're doing, we're always we're always making sure that we center women of color. We always make sure that we, when we're on the ground, that we are helping those that are most in need and talking about a language that makes sense. Because coming with all of that is, you know, white supremacy. And what does that mean? And how does that, you know, people think that white supremacy, if somebody says there's white supremacy, they think that someone's calling you like you're in the Klan or something. And it's like, no, the power and privilege of being a white person is real. And how do you use that power and privilege as a white person? You know, so thinking about those lenses, you know, how can I amplify voices in these movements? with my privilege. And it's once you just start reframing how you're thinking about stuff, it's really easy. Like I love all those women that, and I work with those women. um, And I was really happy to be able to have leaders of the reproductive justice movement come and speak to a primarily white audience to say, here's where we're at. And a lot of times people will confuse reproductive rights and reproductive health and reproductive justice altogether, but they're not all the same. And so it's not cool to just so have this sort of blanket. I work, I'm a reproductive justice activist, or I'm doing a benefit for reproductive justice and the money's going to Planned Parenthood. It's like, no, they're they're a healthcare provider. They're not a reproductive justice organization, and neither are we. So, you know, we, what we is are, a reproductive justice organization? So a reproductive justice organization is an organization that tries to cover the land, the full landscape of reproductive care that's run by a woman of color. So they they might advocate for abortion rights, but they also will advocate for making sure that the environment with which they are living in can help thrive healthy families. They t- work on maternal mortality issues. You know, when you look at women of color, and this is like not even an economic issue, whether it's Beyonce or Serena Williams or a black woman who is economically, you know, not doing great. Doctors don't listen to black women, right? And so like really having those conversations and doing reframes on what that means is really important. So reproductive justice organizations focus on abortion, but they also focus on all the other issues that, that go along with Reproductive, right. your reproductive life. Yeah. And yeah. the laws that are set in place that are systematically keeping marginalized groups down is really the, the trickle down of all of this and the part that isn't talked about. That's right. That's right. And I think that it's super important. And so we focus on the abortion piece mm-hmm. because 
people just never talk about abortion. And so we feel like, you know, we're going to be the people who talk about abortion because it's not talked about at all. And so, yeah, so that's what we do. It's so amazing. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I even felt guilty, right? I'm like, it's not my job to explain to people. And they're like, actually, it's literally your job. Stop yeah, being such a baby. It's kind of your job. Yeah, no, and I yeah. really appreciate getting checked on that because you're right. Pause, pause. It's time to get cozy. Yeah, it is. In the most mindful, earth-friendly, and cruelty-free way we possibly could. That all sounds so lovely. Doesn't it? Yes. As we continue to do this show, we're obviously trying to just like clean things up, detoxify the home. Cleaning up everything but our mouths. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. We're talking about Buffy. Buffy makes the most wonderful comforter that is entirely out of 100% eucalyptus fiber to regulate temperature and keep you cool and comfortable all night long. And I have to say that as a pet owner, the great thing for me, other than the fact that it doesn't make me have night sweats, which maybe that's a different issue, is that my dog can sleep under the comforter with me and it doesn't absorb it's his breathable. hair. Yeah. So when I like just wipe the hair away, it just goes away. Whereas like with my other comforter, I felt like it was absorbing and then it was like a furry nightmare. So the Buffy's latest product that we're talking about, it's called The Breeze. And as you mentioned, it's made out of eucalyptus fabric inside and out, and it feels softer than cotton. So it naturally soothes the skin. It's earth friendly. Eucalyptus uses- Hypoallergenic. Yes. Very important. 10 times less water than cotton to grow and its fibers- are produced using recyclable, earth-friendly solvents. Hello. And here's a fun thing. Tell me. If you're interested in Buffy, which I suggest you become, you can try it. And if you don't like it, you, you can return it, it at no cost. It's a free trial, When guys. companies do that, I know that they're legit because they're so confident in their product. Mm -hmm. I love that. BCE, big cozy energy over at, <laughs> over at Buffy. And Good I, one, Elizabeth. I got uh, a Buffy when I moved into my new place and the bed is just so delightful. Yeah. I'm just a huge fan. And it fills my duvet cover. Mm -hmm. My other comforter like didn't fill the edges and it's like, Stressful. you know how annoying that is? Yeah. It fills it all the way out and it's just like, ugh. It's all, it's all important it's stuff moment. over here, guys. So yeah. if you head over to Buffy.co, that's B-U-F-F-Y.co, enter code retrograde. You'll get $20 off your Buffy comforter and you can try it. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. No harm, no foul. That's Buffy.co, promo code retrograde for $20 off your Buffy comforter. Enjoy. Back to the show. If we're not talking about it, nobody will. Mm -hmm. If we do not constantly reframe the conversation, especially with, with people who supposedly... Um, share the same values we do. Like, it's interesting. I always get the, well, aren't you just preaching to the choir? And it's like, show me where the abortion choir is. Cause <laughs> I don't see it. I see, me, 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 me. I see progressives, you know, I see them when you ask a, you know, generic progressive questions, like what are your top issues? They're noble issues, whether it's guns and the environment and climate or education, like those are real, but nobody is going to have any access to be able to, A, fight for those issues or be able to thrive in a healthy climate or whatever if if they're forced into literally some kind of pregnancy bondage. They're just not, you know? And so for me, like, if you can't decide how you're going to live your life, that is problem one. Well, also, it's like, it's abortion is the issue at hand, but it just speaks to the much larger issue of the of this idea that, like, it's not up to us. Yeah, just across the board, yeah. the idea that like 
my, like it's so simple. My body, my choice. Yeah. Like, the notion that there's one thing that they're zooming in on. It's like, okay, if that's something, then nothing is off limits. Right. And also, like, we never talk, like, all, it's always about abortion, right? We, if we lived in a country that honored all pregnancy outcomes, and that really goes back to the, um, the RJ framework, to the reproductive framework, too. It's like, I honor all pregnancy outcomes. So if abortion is what you have decided is what you need for yourself, we should honor that by making it free or affordable and accessible. Accessible. Yeah. Right? And if you find yourself in a pregnancy that you want to keep, we should provide all the tools for you to be able to raise a healthy child and have a healthy family. Mm -hmm. And that means great school system where you live. That means an environment where you're not living near a toxic waste dump. It means, that means you making enough money to support your family. That's exactly right. That means childcare. That means healthcare. That means all of it, right? Not living in a food desert. Like yeah. all of that stuff is, is, but we don't honor that. And so when I hear these people constantly yelling at me, I'll never forget this guy was outside screaming at me like, why are you even here? Why are you outside this clinic? And I'm like, A, why are you? And B, you're the one that demanded I be born. So like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, That's but like so that funny. is your jam that I am here. <laughs> like that is literally your jam. And like you're mad. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like, this all could have been changed. Yeah, but you were like, make sure she's born. I'm like, here I am. So, um, yeah. So, and it's just really crucial for me to, to try as I might. And to put myself out there, it's like we're really far from being in a place where the stigma around abortion um, is gone, right? And so I'm willing to just sort of like, fall on the shame sword and get it out there so that everybody else can can have a little bit easier time talking about abortion. Like, I know I get hit every day. I get hit. I get hit. I get hit. And I don't really care. Like, in what way? Like, on Twitter? Or? Just on Twitter. Just Ugh. like every time we do a live show, there's protesters. You know, the insert state name right to life will organize an outing to come to our shows. And they'll, of course, find the ugliest picture of me on the internet and be like, hell is abortion's not funny. And it's like, tell your people we're not doing abortions at the comedy show. So, (laughs) but also if they're coming and mobilizing to be at our comedy show, that means they're not at a clinic. You know, every time I can go and be helpful and their wrath is coming at me, it's it's at 10 seconds they're not tweeting at a physician or they're not tweeting at a, a provider or they're not tweeting at somebody else. And so, I mean, I have thick skin. I really don't care. You know, it's like once you turn 50, like the amount of fucks that you have left to give are zero. And, <laughs> and you feel like you're like, I feel like I've never been able to like come into my power more because I have such a solid foundation of who I am. Yeah. And I am not living for any kind of male gaze. I just don't give a fuck. And so it's like, if you're not feeding me, fucking me, or paying me, your opinion is like really at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Put like, that on a t-shirt right? immediately. I mean, it really just feels like that's kind of it. Like yeah. I make an assessment about how, ways that I should take in your information. And it's like, so often it's not anybody who would be interested in what I had to say anyway. Right. And not to mention, if you're a woman that has decided that your opinion matters, it doesn't matter if you're talking about recipes or fabrics or politics, people are annoyed by you. Mm. That you have, That is like literally a radical act to say, I have something to say and I deserve to say it. And I, I'm going to take a platform with which to do so. That is threatening. 
You know, there's not a bunch of, you don't, you don't see a bunch of white guys being like, you know, we need to make space for some women to have some opinions. Like, I'm sorry, that's just not happening. Well, right now they're too busy defending their castles. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> they're very upset. Yeah. A lot of these, I know, I'm like looking at these comedians like, what are we going to talk about now that we can't shit all over people who have no agency? Yeah, life is hard for you. I don't know. Maybe your ninth Netflix special, you can cover that one. Because <laughs> you're so oppressed. I feel like your voice is never heard except when it's fucking the only voice anyone ever hears. <laughs> but, you know. You know, the other thing I want to mention that I think is, this is like a shift, but the only that I think is really problematic about the abortion conversation is that people seem to throw this around, the, the people who are against it, as though it's like this easy, great, fun choice and this wonderful thing that people are just gallivanting into clinics being like, fuck me up, give me an abortion. It's like this light thing that people are just going around. It's like, it's not like that. Like, you don't understand what a difficult choice it can be for somebody. And like, even if you know that you want that thing, it doesn't mean that you're doing it joyfully or gleefully or easily. It's still a procedure. It's still a medical thing. It's still something that you really, you go through something. Like I've taken a friend to an abortion. It was very hard for her. Well, I would, I would push back on that a little bit because for some people, it's not hard. Right. For some people, the choice is not hard. I think for some people it is. And honoring every every kind of emotional space that you have for your abortion is really important. But I think it's important to remember that every time that we're putting um, somebody else's experience onto the totality of right. an abortion this experience, I mean. you you're playing into the hands of people that say women are lying to themselves if they've had an abortion and they say, you know what, I got pregnant. I just, I needed to have an abortion and I'm done. I mean, that is me. Right. Right. And so I think that it's not a decision that is for everyone. Right. It's not a decision that is always hard. It's not a decision that's always easy. But what it is, is a decision that is always moral. Right. And it's for you to make. And it's for you to make. Right. And so just, just putting that out there, because I have to tell you that for many people, the relief and they have found like incredible joy in being supported in a way they never knew. Mm. Again, it goes back to the putting value on pregnancy. Like, what is the value of a pregnancy? If you want to have an abortion, then nobody should be putting any value on that pregnancy because that pregnancy is simply something that is developing that if you wanted to carry it out and to term, then it would have you'd have a baby. But if you don't, okay, that's fine too, right? Pregnancy yeah. and a child are two different things That's and should so be treated important. two different ways. Yeah. So what can we do to support the work you're doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, mm. there's a couple of things. I mean, what we love to do is we often do actions that people can do with their friends and get together and do. And so I always say if you go to aafront.org and sign up for our mailing list, and we're always sending out actions to say— Get together with your friends and like, for example, we we did an action where there's all these fake clinics out in the world that are funded by tax dollars oftentimes, but also mostly funded by the Catholic Church. They are imposter clinics to look like abortion providers. You've often seen billboards of them up that say pregnant, need help. That's not a clinic. That's actually a place that you're going to go and they're going to try to talk you out of abortion. They're going to lie to you about how far along you are. They have people who are not doctors administering ultrasounds, which is completely legal. Um, legal. Anybody can administer an ultrasound. The tests are not validated because it's not an actual technician, but they will dress up in lab coats as imposters. 
Um, oh my god! They'll lie to you about how far along you are and say, "Oh, don't worry, you've got four more weeks." When <gasps> you don't, and things like that, they will oftentimes when you go in, they'll take all your clothes and your phone and put you in an exam room, and then someone who's not a doctor will come in and say, They're "Like, oh, you're not a little boy. I don't want to touch you." Yeah, I mean, it's real <laughs> creepy, right? And, wow. and just to give you an idea of how many of them there are. There's about 4,000 of them that we have identified in the country versus about 780 actual abortion providers. The scarier thing about them, and I'm getting to what you can do to help. The scarier thing is that the Trump administration has just removed Title X funding from clinics. So Title X provides, they don't cover abortion. They cover family planning, birth control, pap smears, wellness visits for the lowest income people, people that are really on the margins. Planned Parenthood provides 40% of all those wellness visits around the country. Um, The Trump administration just put a new rule into effect that said, if you are a clinic that provides abortion or refers to abortion, you can no longer qualify for these funds. So even though the funds don't go to abortion, if you're a place that provides abortion as the family planning, you can't. And they're diverting the money to these fake clinics so that people are no longer getting comprehensive. Your tax dollars are no longer paying for comprehensive health care. So. Oh, my God. It's really scary. So we have a whole website that's called ExposedFakeClinics.com. And there's an ExposedFakeClinics.org that is a fake one. They (gasps) stole that. So don't go there. ExposedFakeClinics.com. And one thing that you can do to help that's really, 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 really important is you can click on where you live. And it lists all the fake clinics in your area, and you can click on the Google reviews. And you can write a Google review that says, this clinic does not provide abortion. Don't be like scathing or anything because they'll take it down. But it's like, this clinic does not provide abortion. If you're looking for abortion care, don't go here. The more rev- And then like all of the other reviews that are similar to that on that page, because the one thing that we can do right now, if you Google, where can I get an abortion? These fake clinics pop up first. So if the fake clinic pops up on a vulnerable person's Google search, at least they'll see a whole shit ton of reviews that say this place doesn't provide abortion and they don't end up going to be subjected to the shame and the stigma and the lies. So that's one thing that we do that's really great. We're all going to do that. Yes. It's really fun. Like, get together with your friends. (laughs) Do it. It's really, really— Computer party. Yeah. And it's really exciting to get a little notice from Google that says, your review is doing great. And then you look and it's like, oh, my God, 500 people like my review that says these people are trash. So that (laughs) is really great. Really elevate your mood for the day. Yeah. That's exactly right. We also have a petition right now— where we're asking Congress, since the Department of Health and Human Services has changed the rules of Title X to fund these fake clinics, it is Congress— I don't understand how they're just letting that happen. Because this is why elections matter, because we don't talk about regulations enough. We talk about legislation a ton. You get a new president, and that president puts into place a whole bunch of people in a department like Health and Human Services, and those people, which there are at least 50 that we've identified who come— from the anti-abortion movement, and that's all they've been focused on. When we're talking about anti-vax people, there's so much stuff to talk about within the health and human services. They can do and make regulations about what gets funded. Now, Congress decides where the money goes. So Congress appropriates the funds for all these agencies. So we have a petition right now that I can get you guys that everybody should sign that we're sending to Congress, and we're going to deliver it by hand. You sign it that says, do not fund— Title 10 
if they're not going to fund actual health care. And it explains everything that I'm talking about and what they did, and you can really get a handle on it. But, like, that's really important. If they're going to put these regulations, then let's not fund it. Right. Let's just say no. Right. No, we want actual health care providers to give people their options of what's available to them. Is there another option that's presented as far as, like, when those things can get funded or how? Um, what do you mean? Like, in the in the sense of, like, the wellness services. Yeah. So if it's not through Title X, what is it? They have recommended a list of places. That, the fake clinics is what they're saying to do. Right. And but so, in real life, where what we're talking about, what we actually would want to happen. What we would want to happen is that money, we would want them to reinstate the money to Planned Parenthood and the existing clinics I see. that are already set up Direct to do this. to them. Go back to them. Don't take the money away from them, please fund them. It mm-hmm. doesn't go to abortion. Right. They just happen to provide that service. Right. And they have to go through so many hoops to show where their Title Ten money goes. Literally, the amount of paperwork that they have to provide to show that it's not is just wild. So, you know, don't believe for a second that when, when they try to lie to you and say that. So that's one thing you can do. We do monthly meetups in a lot of places. If we do it in New York or L.A., you can do it all over the place. We do a bingo night where we have dirty bingo, where it's dildo instead of bingo. And then we just play bingo. <laughs> and then we have a conversation with, like, a local activist. Like, you can find your local abortion fund in your town if you go to the National Network of Abortion Funds, nnaf.org and click on your state, have a really fun event where you can just like play bingo or have a dance party and then invite someone to speak from that abortion fund and how you can help. You can sign up to be answering hotlines for the abortion funds. If you have it in you to be a clinic escort, you can do that. Sometimes we'll have like nationwide movie nights. Like we'll watch Dirty Dancing and then talk about class and abortion and what that means. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then make phone calls to your local representatives. Always, I really forgot that Dirty Dancing was about her, her having an abortion. Okay, let's just talk about— <laughs> No, I, I just need to pack up for a second because it is, a, it is to me, I just, just like want to just recreate this pitch meeting where it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I have a movie. And here's that concept. A rich girl goes to— Sleep away with her family. With her family. Goes (laughs) goes up to the Catskills with her family. And then finds out that one of the local entertainers at the camp has to go have an abortion. So she fills in for her dance routine. (laughs) No, it's going to be great. (laughs) At what point would they just walk you out of that so hard? Right? It's like, okay, that sounds like a movie that we're never making. And there's dancing. And there's dancing. And it's joyful. Patrick Swayze. And Patrick Swayze. I know. I mean, let's get Swayze attached first. Yeah. To bring him into the dancing abortion movie. I know. It's so wild, right? You're like, it's the best movie about abortion starring Patrick Swayze ever made. just put that out there. It's, a, it's just a general Sorry thing. to Wang Fu. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, That's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. And so we also just, we just do a lot of stuff and we, and we travel. We travel a lot. So if we're coming to your community and we do a comedy show, you can come and then you can learn at the comedy show from local providers, like how you can help locally as well. So I would say if you want us to come to your town, like let us know. We'll, you know, we entertain all, um, all propositions of that. But it's just... It's very important that we create community and we we like to do monthly events that when you get the notice about them, you're like, oh, my girlfriends and I can do some recreation of that, whether it's bingo night, whether it's like writing postcards to clinics is super important. So we do monthly postcard writing and sessions. What do the oh, my mom say? does that. So, postcard Tuesdays. So what we do is, <laughs> and this is like just stuff you don't even think about. 
along the lines of nobody thinks about the clinics, Mm -hmm. we write these messages of love to clinics. And we just say, thank you for being in the community. And we're really happy that you're here. And you have to send a postcard because a clinic is terrified to open up a letter that comes to them because they don't know what's in it. So those postcards really matter a lot. And so getting that word out. We also have designed postcards for patients that are, and this is something that you can do. So there are postcards that are in the waiting room and the top of the postcard says, if you're here for an abortion today, and it's just a whole bunch of photographs of people holding signs that say, I got you, I trust you, you're making the best decision for you. Like if you want to take a photo of yourself holding that sign, we'll put you into a postcard so that someone sitting there by themselves can look at a six images on a postcard and take that home. Yeah. And think about that while they're having their procedure and think about that after the fact. You can do that. I mean, we have a jillion things to do. The Amazing. The work you're doing is so inspiring. It's really, it's really, it's joyful too. It brings us together in a way that I don't know a lot of stuff does, you know. So they try so hard to separate on every level. I mean, we work in entertainment, you know. It's always like trying to pit women against other women or trying to, You know, I just feel like we need ways to come together to solve problems and fight with and for each other. Because if not us, who? If not now, when? Mm. Wow. On that note. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Tell our listeners, um, you guys have an Instagram. Oh, yes. Our Insta and Twitter is, yeah, Abortion Front. Follow. Yes. And then we have Access Force, which is a whole other conversation, which is our political arm. So we have two arms. We have the help clinics, big blanket, love Uh arm. And then we have the go on the attack of politicians organization, which is called Abortion Access Force. Access Force on Instagram. Yeah. And so we have Access Front on Instagram also. But like, if you want to know the specific politicians, Mm -hmm. we talk about them on one circle. And then if you want to know all about how you can be helpful and supportive and amazing, Access Front or whatever, Abortion Front. Oh yeah, my personal Insta and my Twitter is at Liz Winstead and I spell my name with two Zs because I'm pretentious. <laughs> Thank you so okay. much for being here. Today's Roses and Thorns is brought to you by a rosy New York City-based discovery. Ooh. How apropos. Orate is fine jewelry made in New York City founded by Women for Women. Pieces range from classic to statement to completely original. Orate makes the jewelry you've always wanted and could never find. There are a few really cool things about Orate, I have to say. The first thing that pops to mind is the affordability of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. I hate wearing fake jewelry, and you will not knock down the door of Orate with any fakes. It's all real 14-karat, 18-karat gold, and they are sourcing it ethically and sustainably, and they have a real consciousness around what kind of diamonds and what kind of gold they're getting, which is really important. And... You're getting low price for insanely high quality. They sell directly to you, so they're taking out the middleman markup. They can offer the same quality as traditional Fifth Avenue brands for a fraction of the cost. Who's shopping in Fifth Avenue anymore, honey? It's all about Brooklyn. <laughs> the internet, baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Hacked the jewelry market, making real gold accessible. I love this. My whole life, I've always gone to like find a person who can make it direct to take out the middleman. I love that All right, is this like beautiful, gorgeous, easy to navigate website that does that for you. No uh, going into alleyways or anything like that. And if you're wondering why it's so affordable, it's because they are using 100% recycled gold. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I love it. Isn't that so cool? 
I love it so much. I think you guys are really going to like the website. They have so many beautiful pieces. And if you're looking for a gift for yourself or for a family member or for a girlfriend or a boyfriend who likes gentle a huggy. S- statement earrings, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> head over to oratenewyork.com. That's A-U-R-A-T-E, newyork.com slash retrograde and use the promo code retrograde. You, my friend will be getting 15% off. Oh, 15% off. Yeah, well, that's one five, baby. Wow. I have to say, I've had so much fun going deep on this website. And the mini ear cuff with the diamonds is really calling my name. I feel like I have a stackable ring in my future. Ooh. Or I also really, really like they have this large chain necklace and it's like those long links. Yeah. I'm really into that. The one that's that. on the homepage right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I'm really, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. into that. So if you head over to oratenewyork.com slash retrograde, use the promo code retrograde, you'll get 15% off your orate purchase. That's A-U-R-A-T-E newyork.com. Ooh, look at these slim hoops. Well, we're going to get back to the show. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm just shopping. Just deep in the website. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for Roses and Thorns. Roses and Thorns, New York City edition. Woo! Honestly, no worse for first because I can't really put any thorns onto what a magical experience this past week was. It was so great. But I'm going to have two roses. Okay. One being the show that we got to do at Caroline's on Broadway was so special Mm -hmm. and getting to meet... Listeners who came out, thank you guys for all showing up and watching everyone's minds be blown by the information Elisa Vitti was sharing with our audience. Mm. Like, she crushed it at the comedy club. This female biohacking scientist just brought down the house. And I would say my favorite, favorite moment was when she mentioned her experiences in femtech and how she has the Flow Living app, which we obviously have talked about many times here. That's so retrograde. It is the number one paid period tracking app on iTunes. And um, to watch literally in unison, I'm not even kidding you, 60 people whipped out their phones at once to download the app. And it was just this like, it was like a chorus of phones all kind of connecting on wanting to, you know, be more in touch with their bodies. And it was so cool. And that was like the rosiest of all the roses. First time I've ever performed at a comedy club and watched people take their phones out and not co- gone completely postal. Oh, yeah. No, I was like a full celebration. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I have never seen this from I've never felt this way with this vantage point before. So that was so cool. And I feel like even though our live shows aren't being recorded anymore, there is so much to glean from Elisa, and we will be dropping an episode with her in, in January. 2020, baby. So stay tuned because she's dropping a new book, and it's beyond life-changing. Also, like the rose of Sandra and Janine and Liz and Michelle Collins and getting to do Amy Phillips and, like, it was just the stackiest and Emily stack. Morse. Yes. Oh my God. That was so fun giving it. We were on Sex with Emily, and a guy called in wanting to know about how to tell his girlfriend that he wanted to do butt stuff. And Elizabeth 
thought that I was being insensitive. Because she started cracking up. Well, it's because butt stuff is funny. And if you want to do butt stuff and you can't admit that it's funny, then you have a huge problem. Because anytime you're saying, I'd like to shove something in my ass, we've got to have a little bit of a sense of humor about that. And he ended up agreeing with me. I said, first things first, tell her to clip her nails. And he started cracking up. So I feel like my advice was really on It really was. I also, like, I know this is a very, like, basic bitch throws, but we went to Italy one night for dinner, which, like, you can do. If you happen to be in Italy in New York, go to the pizza and pasta section of the restaurant choices and get the gluten-free pizza. It's made of rice flour, tapioca flour, and I think they use cornmeal on the bottom of the crust. It was, like, real pizza. And I know that everyone who's gluten-free or vegan is always like, it tastes like real cheese. And, like, it never does. (laughs) But this really did. It was really Deluge. I truly can't stop thinking about it. Um, it's not for celiac, though. Important to note. Right, because they cook the pizza in the same oven as they cook the regular pizza in. I don't really have many thorns aside from the fact that I really need to figure out how to up my steps in L.A. Like, what are we doing here? It was actually Apparently. sad. Sitting. <laughs> a lot of sitting. But it's not a walking city, so it's like there's now another wellness ritual I need to carve out, like walking around my block 10 times. Like, who's got the time for it? I mean, I have a dog, but I usually take him for a lap. I don't have answers, well, but we need to figure I, this out. I support your inquiry. We really need to figure sure. this out. Also, shout out to Joe's Shanghai in Chinatown. That was a real discovery. Apothecary bar in Chinatown. And Vicks. Oh, yeah. By the Bowery. That was sickeningly good. Which we had the most epic final meal in New York at. If anyone's in New York City, check them out. V-I-C-S. Just mind-blowing, delicious Italian fare. I went gluten for Vicks. And also, we must give love to Amina Eltai. She has done an episode with us. I work with her on a monthly basis. We did like a 2020 business planning three plus hour workshop with her over at the wing in New York. And it was just so amazing. She held space in such a beautiful way. You know, Mm -hmm. like partnership is something that requires tending to and work and communication. And and Elizabeth doesn't like butt stuff. (laughs) Are you trying to do butt stuff in the partnership? Yeah, I mean, whatever (laughs) keeps us bonded. (laughs) Well, we didn't talk about that during the- Should have brought it up. It was just a really, really special offering that we got to do with her. And I just wanted to thank her on air. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that. For that. And thank you, New York City. You showed up for us and we love you. And we'll be back. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to Liz Winstead for this incredible amazing episode. episode. Thanks to Steph. Thanks to you, Elizabeth. And thanks to our listeners. If you feel called to it, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. Also, we have an amazing giveaway happening right now on Instagram for a logo redesign with our website designers, Dreamer Marketing House. So to enter, you follow at Dreamer Marketing House on Instagram. And then we are going to provide a few options where you can comment on the post, tagging your new business and telling us how the new logo would serve you. Who doesn't love a little uh, makeover or just a logo in general? I love it. I'm so excited. So check it out. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Namaste listening, y'all. Yes, that's a retrograde!